I'm Bill Bennett, and welcome to The Bill Bennett Show, my new free podcast dedicated to translating Trump and explaining what's really going on in Washington, D.C., without the hysteria and the fake news. We've got a big show for you today, so we're going to jump right in. Here to help us analyze President Trump's DACA decision is Byron York. Byron York, ladies and gentlemen, you've uh, heard him before. You know who he is. He is the chief political correspondent of the Washington Examiner and a Fox News contributor and a really smart guy. Thanks so much for joining us. DACA is what I want to talk to you about. Now what happens? Let me go to the end of the story and you can pull us back. The president has said, okay, no more DACA, or at least we'll let Congress deal with this question. But um, I'm ending this program. Whether it comes back in some form will be up to the Congress. Smart people I know are saying, okay, this is an opportunity for the president and the Congress to get immigration right. People regard a lot of these uh, young people who came in under DACA as sympathetic. Uh, They view them with sympathy and empathy and want to help them out. But we understand this program in the long run is not workable, also not constitutional. Um, Two problems with it. And second, here's an opportunity to get immigration right by saying things like, well, let's say maybe some kind of long-term amnesty for uh, these uh, people that came in under DACA. But in exchange, we get uh, you know more E-Verify of uh, employees coming in, uh, maybe more wall, and maybe some other regulations having to do with limiting legal immigration. That's, I think, what people are thinking or hoping will happen. Do I have that right, and what's the likelihood? Well, you do have it right that that's what some people are hoping for. Um, Not sure that that exactly is going to happen. Um, First of all, the, the president was getting a lot of legal advice, which I think was correct, that DACA was not defensible in court, which to me meant that one option was if the state attorneys general were threatening to sue on Tuesday, which they were, uh, why not let them sue it? Sue, they'd be suing the Trump administration, which and the Trump administration could then not defend DACA in court, choose not to defend it, just as the Obama administration did not defend the Defense of Marriage Act, which was an act of Congress, and they still didn't defend it. Uh, and then let this uh, take its course, and uh, DACA would likely lose. And then um, Congress would have to do something about it. Instead, the president chose to end it himself, but with this six-month delay, and then saying that if Congress doesn't handle it, then he'll revisit the issue. I, I don't know what that means. Is, is he threatening to act unconstitutionally as Obama did yeah. before? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and he said many times that he feels he feels great sympathy for uh, for the dreamers, the um, I believe about seven hundred thousand people covered. By Excuse me, does that explain you think the answer to your question, which is why he didn't let the lawsuits go on and not defend it because of his, his uh, own oh, feelings about this? Well, yeah. it would take a while for the lawsuits to happen. It's not as if they were going to yeah. kill DACA yeah. on Tuesday, uh, and and Congress, my personal opinion is the what what republicans want to do or some republicans want to do in the house and the senate is to pass a legalization for these 700,000 so-called dreamers 
along with either the RAISE Act, which is uh, what Senators Tom Cotton Mm -hmm. and uh, David Perdue have proposed, which would um, basically put an end to chain migration uh, and would reorient the uh, American immigration system toward higher skilled immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, perhaps E-Verify along with that. So pass this essential amnesty for these dreamers along with these uh, reforms. Now, my feeling is Democrats are going to absolutely say no to that and throw their bodies in front of that because they probably believe Trump will eventually cave. They would, the Democrats would probably feel more pressure to negotiate if they felt a court decision were coming down the tracks. I see. Um, but in other words, let me let me just see if I got this. They won't. Yeah. They won't be. They won't take this deal because they'll figure. Well, they don't. They don't want the full E-Verify thing. They don't want the chain migration ended. They don't want exactly uh, what uh, what you're hearing thing. now is okay. a clean legalization bill. That is, just pass a bill to legalize everybody, the 700,000, and with no restrictions, no nothing. So Trump basically uh, codifies Obama's unconstitutional action. Is their guess right about the president? Yeah, it could be. Could, could be. be. You, think, think, you think it may well oh, be, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, that- yeah. I think one option, one possibility is basically that the policy goal of uh, Obama is reached and codified. And there's no problem for him having done it unconstitutionally, um, and Republicans don't get anything in return uh, for that. Let me just comment. The irony here is that Obama acts, he acts unconstitutionally, thing has no, you know, uh, uh, legal support for it. We've got to wait for the Trump administration to make this law. For Pete's right. sakes, this is not going to make a lot of conservatives happy. No, but Obama, by acting unconstitutionally, he changed the facts on the ground. Uh-huh. Um, yes, he did. So the, the, he put the 700,000. Uh, kind of at the center stage, and he put their mm-hmm. future at the center stage. And, you know, he's uh, the, the president, the former president's supporters are, are, are allowing all this very loose talk about all the dreamers being deported. And we, who, who would no, favor no. mass deportation? Well, I listened to a briefing from Trump administration officials uh, about this action, and there was absolutely no intention of changing. Uh, of deporting these people, and there was no intention of changing the standards by which immigration authorities deport people who are in yeah. the country illegally, yeah. uh, which is uh, they've either committed a crime, accused of committing a crime, or a judge has decided for some reason or the other that they should be removed from the country. Those are the priorities for removal, and they're not. Uh, these DACA recipients, unless they've committed some crime. So, although this is an opportunity for the House and Senate to act, and Tom Cotton's eager to go, and Purdue's eager to go, and others are eager to go, Democrats will oppose uh, those uh, those measures, including the wall. They'll yeah, hang Democrats tough. are not... The Democrats are not afraid of being accused of shutting down the government over this. 
mm-hmm. because they feel that they always have the edge in government shutdowns. And uh, government shutdowns or partial government shutdowns are always uh, – it always takes two sides to do it. And they feel they've always been quite successful, depending yes. on Republicans. So I don't think they'll feel any differently now. And is, is what you just described what you think the likely outcome will be? That they'll well, hang heard, tough um, and, the, and the president heard, will then just give amnesty? Well, we heard Chuck Schumer say that they were going to attach the DREAM Act uh, to all sorts of bills. If, if, if Congress won't just pass a clean DREAM Act, then they will. Democrats will attach it to all sorts of bills that need um, have to be passed. So, um, you know, I think they're feeling, I think Democrats are feeling very confident, and I think that they also believe that uh, the president will will cave on this. So that, that the end result will be, as I said before, the legalization, the codification of what uh, President Obama did. Yeah, it took, it, it will take a, a <laughs> sorry. Oh, I'm laughing. It will take a Republican president to actually get this right and permanent, right? Well, it will be legitimate, obviously, if Congress... It will be legitimate, but... ...signs yeah. it, that's, that's legitimate, uh, as opposed to the, the DACA uh, matter. But and he'll sign it be because... what Republicans wanted. Oh, well, this will make a lot of, of Republicans unhappy. I want to come back to that point. The House will be very unhappy, and even a lot of the Senate Republicans will be very unhappy. Well, yeah, this I mean, you have to remember... Um, one third of the Senate conference, Republican Senate conference, voted for the Gang of Eight. So, you know, I think you're going to have a number of Republicans in the Senate who are in favor of a clean uh, legalization bill. Mm-hmm. But others, Lindsey Graham, uh, John McCain, people like that. Yeah, kind of the usual suspects on this. Um, Though I heard but, Graham saying, "Let's link it to other things." Well, let's, let's see if they really try to do that if they mean um, that, yeah. i mean there's no there, yeah there's 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 no reason to just pass a clean one when you can get uh something like the raise act but i believe Lindy, Lindsey graham has, has yeah. he certainly hasn't endorsed the raise act um and, but is this uh, is this dear is this closer to the president's heart than the wall because by if this is a clean you know amnesty bill with no wall that he's not going to get his wall uh, that's that is also true, and of course here again, Democrats have have vowed to kind of throw their bodies in front of uh, the wall. Um, so um, we'll Yikes. see what, and you know, the House the House Budget Committee, I believe, has passed this. How much is it? One point eight six billion for beginning mm-hmm. the wall. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Democrats are saying that that will never happen um, in the House, in the Senate. So, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah. And we'll have to see, you know, see how it works. There are some other things up for consideration, too, right? Like taxes and, you know, health care and other things, right? Well, part of the problem with um, the president being sort of pushed into action by the uh, state attorneys general, who, by the way, dropped their lawsuit thread on Tuesday. Yeah. So that went away. The, th- the thing that could have actually driven this 
uh, and actually put pressure on Democrats and not involve the president um, has has gone away. Uh, but the pro- so the problem with throwing DACA in this is because they've got so much else to do. Now he did give six months to deal with. Uh, he, he did give Congress six months to deal with DACA, so they can put some of this off till next year. But you're right; they have to fund the government. Remember that fund we had on funding the government several months ago? That was only yeah. September 30th. Yeah. Um, there's raising the debt ceiling; got to mm-hmm. be done. Um, and then there is um, some sort of tax reform or cutting or something. And you haven't mentioned health care. Well, uh, no, I haven't mentioned health care. I, I don't know if they're going to go back to that. Think that's a dead uh, letter? Think that's a dead letter? No, it's not a total dead letter. But, okay. uh, I mean, I think what we're seeing in the Senate, actually, is that the health committee, which is Lamar Alexander and Patty Murray, I think, uh, are mm-hmm. actually starting hearings on uh, beginning to fix Obamacare, which basically means... Um, bail out Obamacare. So uh, who knows what we could see in the Senate. Certainly not what conservatives want to see. All right. We appreciate it. I don't like where this ends <laughs> Sorry up Sorry to give right you now. all of this yeah, happy news. But we, <laughs> but we love your acuity and uh, acumen. And thank you. Thank you, Byron. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Uh, for Always studying it, reading it so closely. Thank you, Byron York, chief political correspondent of the Washington Examiner. Fox News contributor. Thank you, sir. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. It's back to school week and time to shift our focus to American education, one of my favorite topics. I'm delighted to welcome to the show my longtime friend and colleague and America's leading education expert. That's what I think. Checker Finn. Chester E. Finn is the distinguished senior fellow and president emeritus of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute. He's also a senior fellow at Stanford's Hoover Institution. Welcome, Checker. Thank you very much. Nice to be with you. Well, I know the main topic as America's kids go back to school is what can you know? What should they know? What can we teach them? And are we getting there? But what are the big issues that uh, you see in the education debate this year? What What's the focus of uh, the debates in education? What needs to be resolved? What are people talking about? Grab it any way you want. Well, at the policy level, everybody's everybody's fussing about. On the one hand, the, the the how to comply with the federal Every Student Succeeds Act, and on the other hand, with um, uh, various choice challenges. Um, but uh, those are what policy people quarrel about. What uh, educators uh, worry about are things like. Uh, um, raising kids to meet standards and um, mm-hmm. what pedagogies work and what's the parents' role and the kinds of things that actually contribute to whether a kid in Miss Smith's fourth grade class is learning what she should. Good. Let's, let me pick up on one or two of those because I have some engagement and involvement in some of it. Uh-huh. Um, ESSA, Every Student Succeeds Act, federal legislation basically saying back to the states, you got it, Pretty you much. got the ball, federal government. What? Pretty much, with uh, w- with some constraints, but uh, but a lot of a lot of the ball is back in the hands of the state. Yes. Are they picking? Are they running with the ball? I, I know some legislators who are. In general, are the states picking this up and saying, "Okay, it's our responsibility. We'll take it." Uh, they're 
have to pick it up, but whether they're doing it in a way that's uh, interestingly different from what they did under No Child Left Behind still remains to be seen. The majority of states have not uh, finished their plans yet. Uh, they're, they're doing a, actually in about 10 days uh, uh, to Washington for review. And um, important issues such as whether um, all the kids are going to, whether the achievement of all the kids is going to be counted uh, or just the kids uh, below some arbitrary proficiency line. Uh, that's an example of an issue that, uh, um, go ahead. Why would people just count the kids below? Rather than because everybody? under No Child Left Behind for 15 years, uh, the only thing that mattered were the number of kids over the who made it over the oh. proficiency line, and therefore a lot of kids got neglected, especially those who were already over the proficiency line, because there was no further incentive for teachers or schools to pay any attention to them. Uh, so okay. smart kids, high achievers, gifted kids um, uh, tended to get neglected in the accountability system, and. We've been monitoring this, and uh, only a few states of those that have already submitted their ESSA plan are, are really um, taking this issue seriously. Uh, they're, still most, they're still mostly focused on low achievers, which is, of course, not a bad thing to focus on. But, um, but that's not the only thing to focus on. Yeah, I mean, this is chewing gum, you know, at the same time. Yeah, um, I mean, can't we, can't we help the proficient students and even the really proficient students and also help the not proficient students? We can, we should. Uh, some some places do, but uh, oh, well, who does? Who does? Uh, hey, give a, me a state. Is there a state? Colorado's, Colorado's plan looks like they're going to. Okay, um, they're one of the early submitters on 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 ESSA, um, and uh, they've um, arranged their accountability system basically so that schools get credit for gains by all the all the kids in the school. Um, but uh, I think 17 other states already submitted in August, and most of them did not uh, do that. Um, majority of states, as I said, are, are, yet, are yet to submit. Um, I think Colorado deserves kudos um, for at least mm -hmm. getting this issue right in their, in their ESSA plan. Yeah, I, uh, I've talked to Senator Owen Hill out there and some others, and they're, they're some hardworking, very thoughtful legislators there. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good on a number of issues right now in Colorado, actually. Um, and uh, they're, they're, they're good on some of the choice issues. They're, they're, they're good on some of the teacher issues. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a fan. Yeah, maybe the marijuana is having some positive effect. I don't mean that. Never. <laughs> right. Take that back. No, yeah, no I, do, I do have an item here I want to read. You know I can never get far from uh, what I think. You know that. You know me well. What they say of Edmund Burke, he had the gift of always being himself. I love yes, this indeed. headline, Checker. Okay. Colorado schools bulk up staff in marijuana prevention. Colorado has given 42 school districts a combined $9.2 million to hire people and create programs to keep marijuana out of the hands of students. Gee whiz, I wonder how it got into the hands of students. Uh, Maybe because they made it easy? Probably had something to do with that. Okay. Uh, well, but uh, it's it's going to be an issue, obviously, in a lot of states as, as this legalization thing proceeds. And, uh, I mean, kids who really wanted it were already getting it, and now it's easier to get it. Yeah, no, and it's a shame, and I think it's going to show, despite their, some of their good efforts, it's going to show it. Yep. And dumb, dumb brains in, uh, in, a, in, yep. in a very short time. Checker, people ask me, where can I go to see something really good, really exciting, really great? 
And whenever I answer, I always check with you, check with other people. I check with the Fordham publications. Success Academies in New York, is, are they for real? And if they are, tell the audience about them. This is the fastest growing network of charter schools in New York, uh, led by the Dynamo, Eva uh, Moskowitz, who started in Harlem and it, with her schools in Harlem and is now spreading her schools across uh, at least four of the, of the five boroughs, I believe. Uh, including in the middle-class neighborhoods, which have not historically had lots of charter schools. Uh, and they are knocking the top off every test score that is administered. Uh, and they're doing it, uh, um, on the one hand, by running really quite terrific schools. Um, and on the other hand, by being very clear to parents and students of what is expected at these schools. And therefore, they are, in effect, um, uh, creating a sort of voluntary screening system, a self-screening system, if you will, or a self-admissions system. Um, they are so clear about the obligations to parents and kids that um, people that don't want to meet those obligations are not likely to, to enroll. And while charter schools have to enroll every kid that wants to enroll, um, if you are clear enough about your expectations, uh, those who don't think those are for them uh, or can't meet them uh, may not turn up on the doorstep. So I think we've got two things going on with EVA schools. Um, really top-notch uh, focused curriculum and instruction by, by terrific teachers and school leaders. And on the other hand, a kind of self-selection of the student population. But that self-selection, even so, yeah. I mean, uh, if I read it right, and I read it in your publication, so if it was a mistake, it wasn't you, it was me, is, <laughs> is, uh, still these are, these are underprivileged kids. Yeah. These are poor kids, these are minority kids, and they're scoring better than almost anybody in the city. These are, these are poor and minority kids, at least in all our original schools, and they're scoring better than anybody. You're absolutely right. These are probably the kind of poor and minority kids that uh, in an earlier era would seek out Catholic schools right. um, and, and, and stretch as hard as they could to get their kids into them. In yep. other words, these are poor and minority families that are motivated and have their act together. And this, these schools are an incredible um, opportunity and, and, yeah. and, and sort of bonus for them. It can be done. You prove it the possible by the actual, right? The possible proves the act. The actual proves the possible. Um, it, it also proves that, that, that it's a mistake to make uh, social policy by always looking at the worst imaginable case. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the completely melted down family. Yeah, uh, we need to think about them too, but not in the same breath. Yeah, we focus on failure; we'll get failure. We focus on success; we may get success. Right? And she calls her school success academies, and I think she deserves it. She's and earned deserves it. applause, and she's getting it from the mayor of New York, isn't she? No, uh, even even this. Well, the <laughs> <laughs> she got more of it from the previous mayor. Let's put it that way. <laughs> what is De Blasio? What's it? What's his? What is his problem with this? I don't know what is success for minority poor minority kids. What's the problem here? All I can say is that he and his school's chancellor are pretty much in the grip of the traditional teachers union and it hates charter schools. Okay. Tell us um next big fight uh that the secretary of education is going to find herself in. Well, uh she's I can't speak knowledgeably about the higher ed stuff because she's going to have plenty of those on her hands. Um, she is handling very cautiously some of the 
strictly civil rights issues that the Obama team got got the mm-hmm. Department of Ed into, such mm-hmm. as bathrooms. Um, and uh, there are going to be affirmative action issues that uh, are going to require attention and discipline issues that are going to require attention. And uh, uh, if she pays attention to them the way she should, uh, it's going to be a big fight. Um, the the discipline issue is is whether whether to stick with an Obama era rule that was basically a uh, a a a, uh, a claim by the education and justice departments that if a preponderance of kids being disciplined were minority, then it must be discriminatory. Yeah. Uh, without re- reference to kids' actual behavior or circumstances. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Uh, this is, of course, an, an old an old issue in in, in civil rights, uh, disparate impact, they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it, she really needs to undo that if schools are going to be able to have proper discipline. But it'll be a big fight. All right, we got to leave it there. Uh, we appreciate you getting us off to a good start. We should have a school bell for this end of this segment, the beginning of this segment. Uh, tell this uh, audience uh, how to subscribe and learn from your stuff. I read your stuff every week from Fordham. I, uh, well, appreciate I know you're that. Emeritus, Most of it turns but... up on the, on the Fordham website, which is uh, uh, www.edexcellence.net. Edexcellence being all one word, edexcellence.net. And uh, you'll find most of what I do there, and that's probably and, and a lot of other stuff that's uh, even better than what I do. Yeah, no, you've got you've gathered great people. You've we got a good team. You really have, and you know you're like Falstaff, not only witty in yourself, the cause of wit in others, and we appreciate that. Well, I appreciate your saying so, and appreciate uh, what you're doing in education as well as other realms. Troublemaker, that's your troublemaker book. indeed. Troublemaker. You too. I thought it was about me. It was about oh, you. It is. <laughs> I, I think it's a title we both wear reasonably yeah. happily. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jacker. It's a pleasure. All the best. Thank you, sir. Bye bye. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Okay, let's change gears. Each week, the American Strategy Group brings us important conversations on the state of America and the health of the Republic. I'm proud to say I'm a fellow of the American Strategy Group, and I'm delighted that they're able to bring us these great interviews each week. To learn more about the American Strategy Group, go to amstrategy.org or facebook.com slash amstrategy. Joining us today is Joel Farkas. Joel is director of the American Strategy Group, and welcome back to the show, Joel. Wonderful to talk to you, Bill. Thank you. You um, wrote us a, a memo with a lot of ideas in it, and I, I love your main heading, The Case for a Sovereign Strong America not a right-wing canard. And the first item on there is, and let's talk about it, statues. Which ones to tear down? Who decides? Talk to us about statues. Well, one thing about statues we can agree on is they're not moving. They uh, stand in rain, sleet, and snow, almost like the the postman. But um, uh, I think the hysteria that we're witnessing is... um, people who are offended, triggered, uh, excited, angry about what what these inanimate objects uh, represent. And it's interesting to me because uh, I think if a thousand or two thousand or a million people looked at these inanimate objects, we're going to get almost that many differing opinions as to do they know what it means? That's the first issue. And if they know what it means, what does, what does it make them feel? think? What does it make them feel? And I find it almost 
um, uh, 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 hilarious that um, that an inanimate object can evoke so many hysterical feelings. Well, what supposing you have a statue of a Confederate soldier, uh, a brave soldier in war, uh, but he supported the Southern cause, supported slavery, supported nullification, supported secession. Isn't there some case to be made for reconsidering that statue or perhaps its placement? I um, I wrote uh, a three-volume history of the United States, America, the Last Best Hope, and I said in that book, I wondered whether the Maryland legislature should consider removing, yes, I said this, the statue of Justice Roger B. Taney, the famous Dred Scott decision, horrible decision, um, and perhaps replacing it with Frederick Douglass. Um, and made an argument uh, for so doing. Is 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 the permanence or the, the seeming permanence, as you started to say, of these statuary of these statues or statuary, uh, an argument for their remaining because they're because they survive sleet, sleet and snow in the element. It absolutely is. And one thing that's unique about America is we have all get to discuss what you just said. We get to argue about it. We get okay. to, to review it. Okay. And that's, to me, more important than the specific individual person that might be honored. The issue uh, uh, that we all have to struggle with, all Americans get, not all have to, all Americans get to struggle with, is to, is to look at what our historical figures did and what they meant to us. Very few other places in the world people get to stand up, citizens get to stand up and, and discuss, debate, and argue that. Mm-hmm. We get to do that in America. So that's okay with you. I mean, I, you're not ruling out of bounds that uh, you know some statues should be removed after debate and discussion. I think it's perfectly logical. I think the, the, the problem I have with the statue debate is this: there was a sense of permanence when the statue was erected, and today there seems to be a sense of permanence and a sense of accomplishment when the statue is taken down. This notion that taking down something that currently is offensive or historically might be offensive will solve or resolve issues of the day is what, what I find amusing. All right. It's the wrong question. People are asking the wrong question and proposing the Correct. wrong solution. Okay, okay. Wrong but question. not, not, not beyond the question. bounds to have discussions of what should stay, what should go, what should be in its place. If it's... I believe taking down statues would solve uh, hate, would solve uh, uh, people trying to attack the sovereignty of the United States, would, would, would solve the ills of the world today, if I actually believe that, I would be the first one to start taking them down. Okay. That's the wrong and... question. And and what's wrong with some explanatory information about why the statue is there? Uh, you know, this was so-and-so. He was um, a supporter of the Southern cause, believed in slavery and secession, nullification, but uh, was a brave soldier and um, after the war was um, a positive force of Reconstruction. I mean, that, you know, that doesn't take so, so long. And it puts some context and actually teaches something. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I support that. I, I'm I'm living as an American citizen in 2017. I'm proud to be living with my friends in Alabama, Texas, Georgia, Mississippi, 
Louisiana, every other southern state. I, I am honored to be able to live as a free American citizen with liberty and the pursuit of happiness and justice for all with every single one of my other American citizen friends, particularly those in the South. There's nothing wrong with that. I enjoy that. I'm proud of that. I don't want to have a conversation morning, noon, and night about why I shouldn't be an American citizen with my friends in the South because of this terrible civil war we had, because of this the, 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 con- the, the context of all anyone who was a descendant of slavery and anyone who might have been on the wrong side of the, of the, of the virtue and the history of that, that somehow I shouldn't be proud to be a citizen. Yeah with yeah. the, their descendants, the descendants of other people. Yeah, they're reaching. They're surely reaching, uh, reaching reaching far. Um, you had another item in this outline when you uh, under the whole question of statues. You said, who decides? And who does decide or who should decide whether a statue stays or goes? Well, apparently, the people who want to decide are the ones who show up and take it down. Um the question of who decides, uh, we, we, again, we live in a sovereign, one of the great sovereign nations in the history of the world, that the pursuit of liberty, uh, the defense of liberty. And that shouldn't be, that doesn't mean one person gets to decide or one group of a hundred people or a thousand people gets to decide. Um, what we do in this country is we get to discuss, we get to debate, we get to argue, we get to to, to, uh, to have voice our opinions. That's what we get in the United States. We don't get the right to say, my opinion is, 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 I have absolute knowledge of a certain topic, and therefore I have knowledge on every other topic in the world. That's not what sovereignty and liberty and justice mean. That, that's, that's, that's akin to tyranny. It's another version of pushing and, 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 and foisting an opinion that a person or a group has, and telling everyone else that they must adhere to that opinion. Yeah, that's 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 just that's just nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. And again, that's part of the part of the reaching. One of the things that's talked about here, and uh, another item in your in your discussion related to this, is privilege and this notion of privilege and white privilege and the privilege of privileged people. How do we think about that? Uh, you ask the question: Do whites arm themselves? Are they armed? and have an arms advantage in the arms race, if you will, with white skin, blue eyes, yellow hair? Well, when, when some a group, when a group, when a, when a community feels threatened, it seems without going, it seems that their first reaction is to see who is threatening them and what they are doing to threaten them. So the, the, obvious, the obvious attack is, Anyone who is white, therefore has privilege, therefore their opinions become less relevant. Well, white people are always going to be white. They're going to have, uh, 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 going to have blue eyes, in, in, uh, uh, yellow hair, white skin. But in, 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 in the world today we live in, they, they're not walking around arming themselves with their whiteness, with their privilege. To attack others, we, we can. I happen to be Jewish, 
I, quite frankly, am also a descendant of slaves. My ancestors were slaves, one of the earliest slaves in the history of the world. The one thing that is certainly ubiquitous in the world is almost every culture, from the Egyptian pharaohs all the way through uh, uh, Europe and, and today, through communist Russia, through the Bolsheviks, through the Tsarists, the one thing that everyone in the world agreed with and thought was a good idea was to exile and or kill my ancestors. This yeah. has been going on for several thousand years. Yeah. Now, I, I'm fortunate. The greatest country that has ever existed for me and my ancestors is the United States of America. We only have about 15 million Jews in the world today, most of whom are in Israel and the United States. Almost every other country in the world has hardly any, and there is no other country that has more than 500,000 Jews. Really? So, really? Didn't know that. And there's France no statute. The most... I was going to say there's no statute of limitations reaching back either. Someone says, well, my grandfather was a slave. Say, okay, well, you'd have to go back, I guess, more generations than that, like maybe 30 or 40. But you can find it. So, but I mean, once, once one starts this game, if you will, and I'm going to call it a game of, well, my people were oppressed. There's no statute of limitation. You can go back 100 years, you can go back 3,000 years. Uh, more than 3,000 years. The pharaohs, Egyptians. Okay, okay, Romans, right, Greeks. right. But, 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 but at the end of the day, I mean, not to make this overly complex, but to make it perhaps overly simple, uh, isn't this just doing exactly what it is that the whole civil rights movement and everything else started for or started against, which is reducing people to their crudest physical characteristics? Yes. Color of their skin, not the content of their character, as King would say. Color of their exactly. And 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 we we started our discussion with what's the right argument? Uh, it's it's so simple. It's so easy to say. White supremacists, Nazis, and KKK should be eradicated from the United States. I I, I understand that. Back to the statues. If if we in the next seven days, rid the United States and the world of every white supremacist, every Nazi, every KKK member. Does anyone, does any, I'm often asked as a Jew, how do I possibly live with that? Well, does any, anyone believe that if we did that in seven days, that hate against Jews or hate against Christians or hate against um, uh, the Western world would cease? I mean, that's, it yeah. takes it to the, its most absur absurd extreme hmm. conclusion. Hate will yeah. not cease. It will right. not cease if we do that. So it becomes, it, it's almost as if a, 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 a CFO of a failing company who is met with a very complex situation. The company is failing. The company is going to go down. What, what does he do with this information? Well, many... Many, many get immobilized, and they start counting how much money they're spending on office supplies because it's an easy thing to look at. It's an easy thing to solve. Let's stop buying pencils. Let's stop buying, you know, uh, paper. Well, it, it's, almost, it's almost like the discussion we're having about where is hate and how should we eradicate hate. Well, let's go to the easiest thing. It's, it's, it'll be pretty easy. We've, we found in the United States we were able to get rid of white supremacist groups. Okay, great. We got rid of them. There's, there's some now, but for the most part, 
we have eradicated many of those groups compared to decades ago. You're not, by the way, I just want to explain to the audience, you're not calling for the rounding up of anybody who's white supremacist and eradicating them, right? I'm not calling up for the rounding up of anybody. Anybody, okay. Okay, (laughs) Thank you for clarifying that. I think what I was referring to is people who are are opposing opposing or discussing this topic today are calling, calling up for the rounding up of people. Yeah, they are. There are and, indeed. And, 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 and I find I find that behavior offensive, tyrannical. Um, I, I don't I don't I don't believe I, I can't believe people think that the solution to what they perceive as a problem is to do what those they're angry with are doing. I, I just I, I, it's nonsensical to me. Yeah. Also, I mean, again, you said ad absurdum. Um, that's right. I, I want to know two things. Um, first of all, I want to say two things. First of all, the president's challenge, which is, are they really going to go and burn down Mount Vernon, you know, and take down that, take down the Washington Monument in Mount Vernon? And right there in Charlottesville, are they going to take down Monticello, uh, you know, Thomas Jefferson? Because both these guys, Washington and Jefferson, were slaveholders. The other thing is the whole definition here. What's a white supremacist? I believe, Joel, that a lot of people in the Antifa movement and elsewhere were prepared to say that, I've heard a few of them say it, anybody who supported Trump is, by definition, a white racist or white supremacist. I think people were on the verge of saying that until Texas happened, and then people saw all those Trump supporters, uh, you know, pulling boats and... (laughs) throwing people on their backs to save them from the the waters. That's that's what I think. I support Trump, Bill. I'm not a white supremacist. I'm not stupid. I'm not ignorant. But I support Trump. Uh, if, if the standard is who you support, what you believe, what you discuss, if the standard is that whomever you connect yourself with in any way, shape, or form means that you have now taken on all of their worst qualities. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, we, I can, we have a, this is the 500 year, 2017, 500 year uh, um, uh, celebration of Martin Luther. Martin Luther, the, 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 the great reformer of the church, in 1517, when he wrote his 95 Thesis. Well, there's a lot of people who adore and support and are celebrating the 500-year anniversary of this German uh, monk. Martin Luther also happened to have been the precursor to Nazi Germany 400 years later. In, yep. in the early in the early uh, 1900s, yep. or, excuse me, uh, 19, uh, 20th century. He he also uh, there's so many people that adored him. There's a fellow by the name of Michael King, and his son Michael King Jr. who took his name. They became Martin Luther King and Martin Luther King Jr. because they respected and admired and adored the the, the, the efforts of reformation of the church. Does that mean? That I should ask all my Jewish friends who, who, who also know that Martin Luther was one of the world's great anti-Semites, 
who thought the, the synagogue was an evil slut, that uh, Jews should be should be put in forced labor and exile. Does that mean I should say that every single sign, every statue, every holiday, every writing of Martin, one of America's great civil rights leaders, should be extricated from from the discussion? I mean, that's so that's so patently absurd. Right. To think that because Martin Luther King Jr. admired Martin Luther, that I should now view him a great. American civil rights leader, I should view him in some sort of pejorative term. That's where this argument and discussion goes. That's a great, that's that's a great, that's a great illustration. Very provocative stuff and great examples. And thank you very much, Joel Farkas. Thank you, Bill. Wonderful always to talk to you. All right. We have to leave it there for today. Another great show. If you missed any of my other recent episodes, make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. You can listen to them all for free 24-7. Talk to you next week.